Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening and welcome to our spooky broadcast of an adventure in history. We're so glad you're joining us tonight as we round out October and head into November. So glad you're joining us. And we have a, a special guest here to... I'm excited. To bring up one of my favorite topics. I mean, I'm always excited by our guests. Yes. But... Uh, Jack came unexpectedly. He's a loyal listener. I love that. And he sent us something really cool after, I don't know what prompted it, but maybe you just knew Halloween was coming up. Loyal listener, first time caller. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what happens, folks. (laughs) I knew Halloween was coming up. And so, and I thought, oh, I, gee, I have something interesting that I could share with Mac. And so that's what led me here. Ooh, deep tease, folks. He he sent it in, and I think he expected that we would just read it on the air. Nope. And then I said, oh my gosh, you're a neat guy. You've got a great story. And uh, Jack Osterberg, you you and I sit on the Historic Landmarks Commission together. Yes. And are you the longest tenured now, or is Michelle? Michelle is. Okay, you came on I'm the second longest tenured. Okay. That's great. And and I remember they sat me next to you, so I kind of feel like you and LJ were my mentors oh my on gosh. that commission. Oh, you, that takes me back. You were always on the far left <laughs> facing. Yes. yes, I was always on the end. And they put me next to you. Oh. So you and I would like talk more yeah. than to the other commissioners. Well, that's where the beginners have to start. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but we'll get into why you're a great commissioner oh, good. if we have time. Good. Because we, we should move along because yes. the show is going to be Let's great. keep going, Jack's Mac. got a great story. Um, a family connection to something Halloween-y. Okay, I have my word. Okay, what's your word? Pingle. Pingle. This is a verb, 19th century English. Okay, I think pingle is when I go to an event and it's like mingle, but I'm not very good at it. What you do know, you think? It's the combination between the words pun and tingle. Oh, close. I, Max, a little closer. Oh, to okay. work in a useless, unhelpful matter that only interferes. So that's if I'm a bad guest at, a, at an event. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you said yourself oh, when you no. show up at an event. <laughs> pingle. I like pingle, that. Pingle. To work pingle. in a useless, unhelpful, unhelpful manner. So I just pingled away at yes. this whatever. Okay. All right. Um, so on your calendar is November 10th uh, is our Young Filmmaker Award, and we're going to watch a documentary that uh, she made. Uh, really neat at the Liberty Theater. It's free. We're going to give uh, the Oregon Film Museum is trying to inspire young filmmakers, and we found a young filmmaker, and uh, she made this incredible documentary. It's about 20 minutes long. These um, stories we tell the stars. Okay. And uh, then we're going to give her a little stipend and an award, and I hope a lot of people show up and support this young filmmaker. She's from Portland. She's going to come down with some family, and and she's excited she's getting an award. Love it. Sounds great. November 10th at the Liberty Theater. But let's get right to the the big uh, history highlights, things that happened on uh, this day tomorrow. So uh, story story starters, you don't pingle (laughs) at uh, the water cooler. Exactly. All right, so uh, these are October 30th, 1503. Queen Isabella of Spain bans violence against Indians in the Americas. Good. And then we treated the Native Americans well ever since then. Mm, Right. Because she said so. Um, 1811. 
Jane Austen's Sense and Sensibility is published anonymously. I didn't of realize course. it was anonymous. I didn't either. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot. I An amazing book, by the way. I never realized that was so long ago. Doesn't it right. seem like it should be more recent than that? I always thought it seemed more like Victorian times, and it was only in recent years that I found out how long ago it was. Yeah, I would have, if you'd had to, if made me quiz, I would have said like, oh, 1880. Right. Yeah. Right. Timeless. Um, but I do have two I forgot to, to quiz. Ooh, so okay. um, Clarence Birdseye sells the first frozen peas. Oh. Oh. Well, thank you. My children, thank you. For frozen peas or yes. frozen vegetables? Frozen, well, frozen peas. Okay. They like their peas. Wow, good for them. I know. Bird's eye. Okay. Oh, what, oh the okay. year. Yeah. I forgot. Okay, 1930. 30? Jack? Uh, 1912. <laughs> See, I would have been back around 30s as well. 1952. Oh. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, frozen so, TV dinner times, I guess, right? right? And then uh, John J. Loud patents the ballpoint pen. So, Jack, you get the first vote on this one. 1942. See, I would have thought it was late, too. 1908. 1888. Oh, yeah. You just don't picture wow. a lot of, like, cowboys oh. pulling out the pen to write <laughs> something down. The ballpoint pen. The ballpoint pen. pen. <laughs> No? Well, it was yeah. just the patents, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Okay, so uh, backing up because I forgot to, to do those two. 1868, John Menard of Louisiana is the first African-American elected to the U.S. Congress. Great. Maybe we could vote him in as Speaker of the House. <laughs> we, sure. don't, we don't get into politics here. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, 1873, P.T. Barnum's Circus, the greatest show on earth, debuts in New York City. P.T. Yeah. Barnum. Yeah, exciting. Uh, let's see. changed live theater. See, I thought about making that one my history mm-hmm. highlight of the day. It was influential, for sure. 1908, uh, Queen of American High Society dies. Caroline Shimmerhorn Astor, wife of businessman and racehorse breeder William Backhouse Astor Jr., dies at the age of 78. Hmm. So she's the uh, the wife of the grandson of our John Jacob Astor. Okay. Didn't did die on the Titanic. And did they ever come out here? Uh I'm sure they did not. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, let's see. 1938, Orson Welles' War of the Worlds radio play is broadcast. Ooh. It scares everybody. Yep. 1941, FDR approves Lend-Lease aid to the Soviet Union. Well, not just going to be for Britain. Uh, 2003, LeBron James debuts in the NBA, if you're a basketball fan. <laughs> Straight but out our, of high school. But our history highlight of the day... Thing I think had the most impact, and I usually shy away from just somebody important in history is born. But uh, 1735, John Adams is born. Oh, so went with that one. That's a good one. Yeah. What did I miss? You didn't. That was a good one. Yeah. I I came prepared to listen to this story today. All right. So because we're close to Halloween, yes. just two days away. Mm-hmm. So Jack, when when you emailed me this, you have a connection. A direct connection to the Salem witch trials. Yes, yes. I when I <clears throat> did some research into my family ancestry, like a lot of people are doing, uh, I found out indirectly that uh, one of my my eighth great grandfather was involved in the Salem witch trials, and not in a good way. Mm. <laughs> And uh, and also my seventh great grandfather, that is his son, uh, was also uh, married into the family that was involved in Salem witch trials, 
And uh, if you ever look that up just simply on the Internet, you can find all kinds of fairly famous people who have, you know, ancestors who were involved in that. Mm -hmm. So it's quite a central point of American history. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to vilify you just because of something your great, 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 great grandfather did. Oh, vilify away. It's all right. (laughs) This is why, I I mean, I like genealogy. It's Mm -hmm. fun. Yep. But I'm always like, oh, I was related to George Washington. Okay, we all are. If you really track and do the second cousin <laughs> exactly. twice removed stuff, right. and it doesn't change whether you're a good person or not, right. <laughs> just because you're related to somebody. But it's good to acknowledge, so, right, the history that yeah, has occurred. Definitely. Good or bad. And, and this was a great, you know, we might have done something on this, mm-hmm. but now we've got somebody who has a connection. So yeah. so what kind of research did you do? Tell us about well, the, the research, story Well, I did research uh, uh and uh, it just led me to re- review the history of the Salem witch trials. And so then I started reviewing that. Even, even a wide variety of people who you know, weren't my ancestor, I just started kind of buffing up on that. And so uh, it was interesting, and uh, uh, I learned a lot. Uh, <clears throat> I found out that uh, over three centuries ago, in, 18, in 1692... My eighth great-grandfather, William Starling, and his family, they lived in a small town in Massachusetts, not Salem. And uh, what I found out was I read about all the, the current issues of the day. And the current issue of the day was really all about the Indian attacks all throughout Massachusetts, especially on the northern part. Hmm. And... Uh, at the time, 1692, the people were afraid. They were very afraid of uh, Indian attacks. They're afraid of French Canada. They're afraid of the Catholic Church. Uh, Massachusetts residents uh, almost, at that time, almost entirely, were from a portion of England where it was all Puritan immigrants. And so... That's where we got our Puritan immigrants to Massachusetts, uh, to the Massachusetts Bay Colony. And uh, if you review the writings of the ministers, Puritan ministers at that time, they they supposed that because God was angry at his chosen people of the Bay Colony, that he no longer prevented Indian attacks that he had before, but he no longer did. And it was, people were told that they all need, needed to get into God's good graces. Hmm. And this is the setting for the Salem witch trials of, that occurred later in the year. I like the way you set that up because there's, there's fear. Right. We're going to be attacked by, by natives. We're going to be attacked perhaps by French and there's got to be a reason because we're right. God's chosen people, mm-hmm. so that we must be doing something wrong. And that's the other thing I just like to always point out, that they did not come here for religious freedom. They came here to practice their own religion and not let anybody else. We've talked about like kicking out uh, Roger Williams, making him go down to Rhode Island and start another right. colony. So Yes, so. that that's really true. I mean, that's what you learn. You learn how the pilgrims... And Puritans were different, but in how in many and most ways they were similar. uh, In February, 
the first of the witch accusations occurred. And uh, it was a crime punishable by death. The royal governor, William Phipps, uh, appointed a tribunal court for the investigation of witchcraft and the arrest of trial and trial of witches from Salem and the surrounding towns. Hmm. Some of the accused witches were well-known people. Others were not known. Others were considered to be troublesome women who practiced <laughs> folk medicine and prepared remedies from roots and herbs. Their accusers consisted mostly of teenage girls in the Salem area and nearby towns. They, the accusers claimed that they were painfully afflicted by invisible specters and demons directed by the witches. Hmm. Soon the girls testified that they had seen witches flying on broomsticks, <laughs> disguising themselves as cats, drinking disgusting potions, and conducting secret meetings over bonfires in the woods. Wow. I love that list. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then back to my eighth great grandfather back also in 1692 he was appointed as the Haverhill Church tithing man and town constable he kept watch over church attendance town curfew and town morality oh wow Benjamin Franklin writing five years later said that the church tithing man was to keep an eye out for night walkers, tipplers, Sabbath breakers, and whatever else. Oh man, what's in the whatever else? Yeah, yeah. What makes you? We can only wonder what the what those were. But a lot of pressure on one man. Yes. I mean, this is a community, right? Where they all yes. know each other. All, I'm sure. Although the, um, you know, although all the neighbors are watching everyone else, and everyone. In, Everyone in small towns knows what everyone else is doing. Mm, right. Unless you go out into the woods over a bonfire. <laughs> right. Uh, as the number of arrest warrants grew, Count Constable Starling brought three women accused of witchcraft to Salem for questioning and arrest. They were Martha Toothaker, Mary Green, and Mary Clark. Now, the first appointed trial judge, Nathaniel Saltonstall, refused to serve on the court after the first trial that had resulted in the guilty verdict of Bridget Bishop, who was hanged. Witch hysteria and sporadic Indian attacks increased during the unusually hot and dry summer of 1692. Constable Starling's son, Daniel, was related by marriage to Sarah Noyes, who was the wife of Reverend John Hale, the local minister of Beverly, a village near Salem. Sarah was also the first cousin of Reverend Nicholas Noyes, who became the trial court's most prominent and vigorous witch prosecutor. Sarah's husband, John, at age 56, had volunteered as a court examiner of both accused and the accusers. The Hale home had previously experienced its own troubles, whereby their servant girl, was caught stealing household items and telling the young Hale daughters to keep silent under the threat of witchcraft. Wow. That makes me laugh. Don't turn me in because I'm witchcraft and I might cast a spell on you or something. Right. Wow. Way, right. To, way to get the girls to be quiet. By summer's end, John Hale ended his involvement with the Salem witch trials. 
He now shared his opinions, doubting the guilt of the accused and criticizing the prosecution. Soon after that, Sarah Hale, 37 years old and now pregnant, was accused by witch of witchcraft by a 17-year-old girl. Providing testimony against Sarah was her own servant girl, brought in from Beverly Village. See, I find this so fascinating uh, as a woman because, and you and I have talked about this before, because this documents a lot a part of history that is really focused on women, Mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of history, especially back then, did not document what was happening to women at the time Mm -hmm. until this occurs. And then we get the names and their lineage and what they did. and, And a lot of what they did was rather good and helpful, the potions, the spells, right? The, the helping yes. uh, medicine yeah. at the time. The, um, and it was documented, sadly and tragically, it's documented because of the fear surrounding these women who had a, a gift or a talent or were different, right? They also, mm-hmm. uh, we, we know that they were documented with being, uh, possibly having mental illness or, or being sick or even a disability as well. But I, I do appreciate that it, it is documented However um, tragic. However horrible it is. However horrible, <laughs> you know, right. The, the lives of ordinary women, that is, who weren't royalty, are dramatically underrepresented yes. in written history. Mm-hmm. And, but it is interesting. This is one unique exception to that rule where all this information is known about the accused. Right. Although not the accusers. Mm-hmm. So keep Correct. that in mind. Yeah. Uh, However, Sarah's, Sarah Hale's case appears to be the first where an arrest warrant was not issued. Soon the case against her was quietly dropped as the witch trial court was now on the defensive against criticisms of overzealous prosecution and harsh jail conditions. There was now public regret over the hangings, although they continued into October, eventually 20 in all. Others died in prison awaiting trial. Most of the accused were women, with 14 women and six men executed. There was little in common between the accused or what made them a target. Some knew their accusers well, but others did not. The three suspected witches arrested by Constable Starling, that is Martha Toothaker, Mary Green, and Mary Clark, did not stand trial. Martha's mother and father had previously been arrested for witchcraft and maintained their innocence. Then Martha herself was arrested. Soon after, her mother signed a confession in order for Martha, her daughter, to be freed. Eventually, Martha's mother was released, but her father died in prison. Her father had refused to sign a confession. The Toothaker family provided midwife services and practiced folk medicine. Ironically, they had a reputation of being fervently anti-witchcraft, but that didn't seem to help them. Mary Green was arrested for witchcraft, and it was said she owned an invisible spectral pig. (laughs) Although her family broke her out of Salem prison, she was recaptured but eventually released. Mary Clark, accused of tormenting three of the girls, was jailed but later freed. I kind of love the story of Mary Green, just the the spectral pig. Can you get spectral bacon from that? <laughs> and I love that they busted her out of jail. I want to know more about that. 
can't be good for them. (laughs) I don't know the details of that, but that would be so interesting to know. The issue of spectral evidence, that is, invisible ghostly apparitions, was of key importance at the trials. Accusers had claimed that their physical torment had been by spectral bodies under the control of witches. Keep in mind, Puritans believed that the invisible world of specters and demons was all around them at all times. Hmm. It became apparent that the accused who maintained their innocence would be found guilty of witchcraft and would hang. But if the accused confessed and begged the court for mercy, they would be then be given light prison sentences. However, if the family of the accused paid a hefty cash bond, the confessed witch would usually be released and returned home. Awful. All of the women who stood trial were questioned in open court by the prosecution about their moral character, their manner of dress, and their wifely duties. It's such a conundrum of if you say I'm innocent, you're possibly you're going to hang. Right. And if you just say, okay, I'm guilty, I'm so sorry, then you can walk, but you're saying you're guilty when you weren't. Right. Yeah, and you could a, possibly die in prison. It's a tough, tough yes. dilemma. Right. Uh, and our justice system isn't totally free of that <laughs> conundrum, even at this time. Correct. Yeah. Mostly free of it. In November 1692, the Salem Witch Prosecution fell apart due to the outrage of local citizens and embarrassment of local officials. Reverend John Hale had become one of the leading opposition voices. The end of it came when Governor Phipps, who had rarely involved himself in the matter, abruptly ended the arrests and halted lower court proceedings. Some prisoners were released from jail in November, with all those remaining released early in 1693. Back home in Beverly, John Hale was with Sarah when she gave birth to a baby boy. In the aftermath years, the teenage girls of Salem, who were the primary accusers, were never publicly criticized or reprimanded. Only two people suggested that the girls made it all up. With regard to witchcraft, no one ever said that perhaps it wasn't real. In 1694, Governor Phipps was replaced by the king due to Phipps's perceived failure in handling the problem. Sarah Noyes, Sarah Noyes Hale, died in 1697, and her husband John died three years later. John and Sarah's great-grandson, 21-year-old Nathan Hale, was hanged as an American spy by British General William Howe in 1776. Hale's final words, as witnessed by a British observer, was said to be, I regret that I have but only one life to give for my country. Over the following years, Salem churches and townspeople did their best to ignore what had happened and to bury that history, going so far as to change the name of the town. Only in the 20th century did the town acknowledge the story with activities and events taking place at Halloween. I had no idea that Salem had changed its name. I didn't either. (laughs) The name of the town is currently Danvers. I'll be darned. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Danvers, Massachusetts. 
That's amazing. There is still a Salem village for those who wish to search for it on Google or something. And uh, you can find it. And it's certainly a destination for lots of tourists, Mm -hmm. especially around this time of year. And they have the Salem Witch Museum and another of another other activities as well. Well, I'm so glad that you sent this to us because this is so much better than if we just talked about the Salem Witch Trials. Right. To, to have that connection and to have uncovered that. And uh, it's fascinating. Again, what were you thinking when you first started down this path? I mean, were you just completely intrigued? Or, I mean, just what, what, what were you thinking? Well, I was intrigued by the... First, I started off intrigued by what relationship did my you know, great ancestors have to do with, with this. And then, but from that, I just became fascinated with the story and it no longer was quite so important what my eighth great grandfather did or didn't do. Just the story was fascinating. Then I read an excellent book, uh, about it, uh, called, uh, Witches in Salem, 1692, by historian Stacy Schiff, which I rec- you know, recommend highly. She's quite a popular and somewhat well-known historian. So it's a great book. And, uh, and for anyone who would like to see a good movie portrayal, I would recommend The Crucible, mm-hmm. screenplay by Arthur Miller. It is the, a 1996 film starring Daniel Day-Lewis, Winona Ryder, and Paul Schofield. Powerful. Yes, for yeah. sure. So we're not going to have enough time to do it justice, but tell our listeners a little bit about you. And you grew up in Portland, but how did you come to Astoria? Well, I was born and raised in Portland and uh, lived there. And uh, and uh, my uh, husband and I, we migrated. It's time for us to retire, and so we decided, where do we want to go? Uh, what do we want to do? And we both came on the idea of Astoria. Why? Because we wanted an old house, <laughs> and we both had dreamed of having some old house that looked down on the river, and so that's what we have today. And we were, although uh, Bill passed away some years ago, he, he and I were just thrilled to have the house, kind of like we always dreamed. Did you both know Astoria beforehand, or did you just not well? Neither of us knew it well. We had been through, uh, but uh, neither of us knew it hardly at all. And you do have one of the, uh, I would say, the top three houses in Astoria. (laughs) Well, it's very photogenic, and we do have people who uh, have come to visit. And uh, it is interesting uh, on a Halloween theme. A number of people will come and say they like it because it's a creepy old house (laughs) and they want to know if we have secret passageways. I've been asked that. I've been asked if we have ghosts and or if any if any old treasure has been ever been found under the floorboards. Unfortunately, I answer no to all of those. (laughs) And uh, although I have told people that there is a room that has been sealed up and so they're sometimes fascinated by that <laughs> you keep them guessing well i love that yeah so what keeps you here then in 30 seconds or less uh i think um the fact that i probably put so much time and investment into the house yeah <laughs> and and i just i love the people 
And uh, of course, we have a wonderful view, and I like the pace, the you know, pace of life here. I think it's possible that uh, I will downsize one day and sell the house. No doubt that'll come someday, but it'll probably still be here in Astoria. Excellent. Thank you. Well, I think you are a tremendous asset to the town. You've served on the Landmarks Commission. I know you do other things. And your voice is one of, of always reason and thoughtfulness, and I've oh. always appreciated that. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your story, part of your story today. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Go make some history. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for An Adventure in History. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.